What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Temple Tea. I'm so excited for today's episode. We are here with Galloway Stevens, who is playing our daddy, Warbucks. And um, you guys, I'm going to have to post a picture because you guys will, it's, you're going to get it. So um, <laughs> it's super, super fun. We're super excited. Galloway, you've been to The Temple how many times now? This will be my fourth time being Fourth time. time. Fourth time. So yeah, he is, I think, your family at this point. Yeah, he's Temple family. It feels like it. It does. Yeah. It feels like coming back home, homecoming. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Homecoming. So, yes. So um, he's going to be playing our Oliver Warbucks in Annie, which opens on Friday, well, Thursday, officially. Thursday matinee. Annie. Yeah. Thursday matinee, official opening for the Red Cast. And then the White Cast will open on Friday night. Uh, so, yeah. Introduce yourself to the podcast. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm happy to be on the podcast. Uh, yeah. As, as Raymond said, this is. Uh, my fourth return to the theater. Last mm-hmm. time I was here was seven years ago. Really? Yeah, seven years ago. I was. I came in. Uh, Peggy asked me to come in to do uh, Gomez. Yeah, for Adam's, Adam's family. family. Yeah. yeah, that's how they introduced me to you because they were like, "Oh yeah, he was our Gomez," and I was like, "Peggy, I wasn't here." Remember? No. And she was like, "No, you'll know him by the pictures." And she pulled up. <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah." Yeah, yeah it was great. Like, uh, it was good because I I had done the. Uh, Broadway national tour of the Adams family. I was an ensemble dancer, mm-hmm. one of the ancestors um, on the tour. We went nationwide with the show, and then we also took it to Asia um, and played diff- three different countries in Asia, mm-hmm. uh, three different locations in Asia. Um, so, yeah, so to be able to come back. And during that, I also covered the role of Gomez. Oh, wow. Um, and I got to go on a few times, and it was fun, and mm-hmm. I loved that. But, you know, there's something about when you are a cover. Yeah. You know, you know, you you have to honor uh, whoever, um, you know, is the other actors that you share the stage with because they're used to things being done a certain way. Right. And Absolutely. you don't want to throw their show. Absolutely. So, so you know, even, it, even though I had such a good time with it and I had my own take on Gomez, I still had to – Live within boundaries of what you know the the original cast actor had was right. doing uh, out of respect for everyone else. So to be able to for Peggy to have asked me to come in and do Gomez here at the temple, mm-hmm. um, it was really nice just because then I could really truly build Gomez as my own Gomez, and right. it, was, it was fun. Um, and then also that production here seven years ago. That's what introduced me to uh, Gavin Palmer, who is the director of Annie, because Gavin played um, my brother Fester yeah. in the show. Yeah. So, yeah. So, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. And then before that, so you, the last time you were here was seven years ago. Yeah. Then before that, when, what did you Before do? that was this really sweet, cute production uh, called Beguiled Again. Yeah. Um, it was a music review of Rogers and Hart mm-hmm. music. Um, really sweet. Another show that Peggy put together and was also in. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really happy to be a part of that. I love that cast. Yeah. And that music was just the music was really good. Oh, it's just so romantic and it's yeah. so beautiful. And um, you know, and I just love being able to get together and do choral work mm-hmm. like that, where you really just like it's all about the music. Right. You know, it's it's you know, yes, we did some dancing and stuff like that, but you know, it's a show like that is really about honoring the music, right? And the vocality of it. So so that was really special. Mm-hmm. Um, um and then before that, uh, a couple of seasons before that, I think, um, was my very first show here, and that was a production of Chicago, um, also put together by Peggy, and Peggy played uh, Peggy played Velma 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my first time working with Peggy. Wow. Yeah, and it was really new. I didn't know you were here for Chicago because I was oh. supposed to do Chicago and my parents were like, I just really? graduated. Yeah, I literally just graduated high school and my parents were like, mm, we've seen Chicago. I don't think that's appropriate for an 18-year-old <laughs> girl. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a yeah. <laughs> for someone coming right out of high yes. school. That's a lot. But, you yeah. know, but uh, Christopher Kyle, yeah, he was right out we of We were all school. supposed to do yeah. it all together. Yeah. Uh, her Julie Davis did it, which we went to school, and she was younger than me. And I was no. like, "Mom, come on!" She was like, "I don't think so." <laughs> <laughs> so, and that whole "I'm 18" crap—that didn't work. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was crazy. So, yeah, I didn't know you were in Chicago. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was really neat. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, and I love that was an amazing show. Yeah, I was and I, so. And it, that's curious. like that's one of those shows that I've done multiple times. I've yeah, done it five. I've done Chicago five times. Now. Really, I've played every. Um, I, I shouldn't say I've played every male character because that's not really how the show works. I've played every, um, m- what is traditionally the male tracks. I've played every single male track in the show except for Amos and Mary Sunshine. Wow. I've played all of them, all the others now. So all that, now all I have to do is uh, Amos. Yeah, now you have to do is Amos. I can never do Mary Sunshine because that's too high. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are you a, are you more of a tenor or you're a baritone? I'm a baritone. I was gonna say your voice when you're talking, I'm like you're definitely lower than a tenor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to when I was younger. I used to have to stretch myself, you know, to be able to keep up with some of the roles that you know I was could play. Yeah. So I had to have a lot of vocal coaching to get me to be able to pop up higher from time to time. But now I'm, you know, now I'm in my late 40s and I've just been started telling everybody I'm like I'm done with that. Yeah, you're like I'm. This is I'm what a I base. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you deal with. Yeah. <laughs> and I if I'm it. not meant to play the role, then so be it, whatever. Yes. But I'm done with going in and trying to make my voice be something that it's not. Yeah. Um, well, it's, I'm a, I'm a, so are you primarily a vocalist or are you primarily a dancer or are you it's a weird? I, well, you know, I do all three. Yes. Um, I started, my, my career started as a dancer. Oh, okay. And then I quickly went on the heels of that. I found myself, because I had always been, I, I, you know, I came from a, like a family of singing and stuff like that. Oh, nice. Church and stuff like that. Yeah. So it was being a dancer and then finding myself, you know, in the world of getting into theater. I quickly, on the heels of that, started getting vocal coaching. Yeah. Um, so that was secondary. But my my dream had always, my path had always been to be an actor. Mm-hmm. Um and it was never really, I was never truly focused on it needed to be musical theater. I just right. wanted to be an actor. So I, I jokingly always tell people now, like, they're like, so, you know, when you ask this question, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm an actor who acts like he sings and dances. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I, I fake it that. until I make it, yeah. and I've made it pretty far. So, yeah. like, so. Yeah, it's uh, working. Whatever you're doing is yeah. working. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, I, that that's really how the, traje- tra- the trajectory worked was mm-hmm. uh, I was into dance. And it's funny how I got into it is because even though it was a, as a small kid, I was, you know, telling my parents that I wanted to be an actor. But I came from a farm family in mm-hmm. the mountains of North Carolina. Like, we didn't really... Um, we didn't really have any kind of outreach or or my family didn't have any kind of uh, tools or resources to know how to get me into anything creative like yeah. either. Um, they knew that I was, they knew I loved to sing. They knew I had musicality in me. They knew I loved to dance around the house. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because honey, I, if the television was on and if there was Michael Jackson, if there was mm-hmm. Paula Abdul, if there was Madonna, honey, I was right there. <laughs> yeah. Trying to pick up Learning it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was trying to pick it up. Yeah. I loved it. And so... 
Um, but I came from a very athletic family as well. My father coached football, baseball, and basketball. I had two older brothers who excelled at all three as mm-hmm. well. I was not a sports guy. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy sports, but I was never. I just never felt like I was a part of that world. Yeah. And so it wasn't. It was quick into my youth that they realized that they were like pressuring me to do something I didn't really want to do. So when that pressure stopped, I had zero activity as a child. About the right around the age of nine, ten, I stopped. Uh, and 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 in that, I I put on a lot of weight as a mm-hmm. child. Um, and on my mom's side of the family, there is type two diabetes runs rampant on my mother's oh, wow, side because yeah. it's Cher- we're Cherokee. Yes, and so um, she became very nervous because I put on so much weight so fast. Mm-hmm. So she'd gotten very nervous and was like, "You need to do something. We we we've got to get you active again." Um, but I was, you know, a spoiled little kid who didn't. Mm-hmm. I just, all I wanted to do was sit on the couch and watch soap operas and eat potato chips. Right. Um, and so she was like, no, you've got to do something. And she came to me one summer and uh, she had circled in the classifieds in red ink two different ads. One was for football summer camp and the other one was for Appalachian style clogging classes. Oh, Wow. And immediately I was mortified about both. Yeah, of course. Because I was like, I definitely don't want to go to football camp because I knew because of my size and my dad. I was like, football camp is nothing but a recruitment for football team Mm -hmm. coming up in the school year. Yep, exactly. And I knew because of my size, all I had to do was stand there and people and and I would make the team. Right. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, So I did not want to do that. But I also didn't want to do the clogging classes because the stigma, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I even said to my mom at a young age, like, you know, who I was does like 11 this? years yeah. old and I was like, Mom, I'm just getting ready to go to middle school. Yeah, they would make fun of you. Oh my gosh, are you yeah. kidding me? I was like, of all the, I was like, we're already <laughs> hill. I was like, Mom, we're already hillbillies. Are you serious? Yeah. Like, of all the hillbilly things you want me to take clogging, come on, spare me, please. No, no, don't do this. But she was like, no, you, she was like, I've been telling you, get something, make something happen, and you've not. Mm-hmm. So I'm telling you, it's one of these two things. Make a choice. So I really got to thinking about it, and I was like, well, you know what? The clogging classes, it was like a six-week program. It was middle of the summer, and by the time school would start, it'd be like two more weeks of the class, and then I'd be done with it. Right. And then I'd have her, she'd get off my back. Right. So I was like, okay, we'll do this. Well, lo and behold, I got in there, and I was, damn, I was good. <laughs> I was good. I was good at it. And I had the, you know, the the instructors, you know, they came to me, and they were like, you're good at this. You should sign up for the next level. And then, and so I did. And uh, and then uh, before I knew it, it was like uh, two years later, I was, you know, 13, going on 14, and they came to me, and they were like, we want to, we want to put you on our professional team. And so then I joined their professional team at the age of 14 and started performing all over the Southeast and traveling with them. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so it's, it, that kind of like spurred me. And then once that all kind of started, then I started getting into high school where they, the high school I went to had a dance program. Mm. And so the, um, that dance teacher came and she saw, she saw me in a performance and she was like, you, you're getting ready to start high school at my school next year. And I was like, I am. She's like, I need you in the dance program. And then that's just what it kind of got at the wow. ball. Yeah. So can you imagine if you would have said no, 
Have you ever thought about that? Oh, I think about that do kind you? of stuff. How, I think why? about stuff like that all the time. I like, do too. What if I would have never? Right. What, if, what if I would have never showed up? The what ifs. Yeah. Yeah. And that now it's just set you on this trajectory 100%. where you're traveling and getting to do what you love and getting yeah. paid handsomely to do that. I like, wish it was paid handsome. <laughs> I like that. I say that for people to want to, you know, <laughs> throw in some money here or there. But, <laughs> but, you know, getting to travel and like, so you're from, you, do, are you from Hendersonville? Yeah, Hendersonville, North Carolina. Yeah. I mean, yes, I always tell everybody Hendersonville. I, I actually technically was born and uh, uh, raised in a small town called Etowah, which is right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. yeah, Hendersonville is our main, you know, largest town. Yeah. Uh, about, you know, 40 minutes south of Asheville. So coming to Sanford is like coming home because you're like, it's small town. Oh, well, I mean, we've grown up quite a bit, but yeah, well, definitely I, still small I, town. I, absolutely, absolutely, Sanford has grown up a lot. You yeah. know, when I was in, um, I was on the West Coast. I've been living and working on the West Coast for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then prior to that, you know, I've been here, there, and everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been a long time since I've lived in North Carolina. I haven't lived in North Carolina since I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And so just returning here now, like Hendersonville up in the mountains, my, you know, I just moved back as of January to be like, I want to be back on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. I want to be closer to family and, and stuff like more accessible to family. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so moving back in January, I didn't quite know what I was doing. Um but I was luck- lucky enough to have a very good friend who took me in and at, in Hendersonville. She's like, come live with me. And mm-hmm. I was like, great. And uh, um, and I immediately contacted Peggy and was like, hey, I'm back in North Carolina. I'm back on the East Coast. Like, if, the, if anything's happening, anything going on, I'm more available now. Yeah. Um, and so uh, so being back here, I want to tell you, like, well, even when I was here for, for Adam's family, mm-hmm. I mean, watching Sanford grow, Mm-hmm. since the time that Peggy took over Temple Theater. Because I had been seeing shows at Temple Theater before Peggy took over. Mm-hmm. I had, had friends who had worked here pro- with prior management. And, and and so I saw Sanford, downtown historic Sanford. I saw it when it was mm-hmm. boarded up. Oh, yeah. Buildings. Yeah. Nothing. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so to watch what Peggy has done with the theater, but then to also watch Sanford itself grow mm-hmm. over the years, um, it's been it's been really like impressive to see. Oh yeah, because now a little Sanford, my gosh. I know. I used to. So I'm from here, and so I used to have to tell people they would be like, "Where are you from?" And I would say, "Sanford." I'm like, I'm from Brick City. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can I curse? I can't curse. Yes, you can. I can. I'm from Brick City, bitch. <laughs> Yes, I literally just sit there and I'd be like, um, well, it's near, I don't want to say it's near Fayetteville, so I'll be like, uh, it's like south of Raleigh, and they're like, oh, Raleigh, Raleigh, yeah, I yeah. know where that is, and I'm like, oh, this oh, yeah, because everybody knows where Raleigh is because it's the freaking capital of North Carolina, <laughs> like, you know, I, it's just one of those things, I, I was a little ashamed, not really, like, ashamed, mm. but more so like, oh, there's nothing to do here, and I can't wait till I can drive because then I can get out of here and I can go and do stuff. But the more I've realized, you know, or the more that we've grown up, the more I've realized, like, what a privilege it is to have such a small town because now, like, in my position now being marketing, like, it's easy for me because I know who owns the restaurant down here because I went to school with their daughter. And, you know, so, like, you just have those connections, whereas I go to Raleigh and I immediately freak out because I'm like, I don't know anybody. I don't know if they're going to poison me in my food because I don't trust them. Like, you know, there's just a there's just a, a little level of, like, I feel confident of where I'm going here because I know I know the people. 
you know? Um, and so now having all of these boutiques down here for people to go and shop right. when they come here, because, you know, we've, we've tried to share this a lot. This is a Temple Tea tidbit. Um, but, you know, for every dollar that's spent in an arts organization, $9 is spent out in the economy, like right near us. So these restaurants, these boutiques, even Depot Park, I mean, it's a free place to go, but they're having these concert series now. And then we've got more restaurants that are wanting to move specifically to downtown. The amount of people that are in real estate that are like, can you let us know when something in downtown is opening up? Like, we want to be in downtown. Whereas before it was like, you do not want to go past Carthage Street after 9 p.m. You know right. what I mean? So I think it's just really exciting to see, like, we're building something phenomenal. And the fact that the theater is right smack dab in the yes. middle. We get all the foot traffic from people coming, you know, from all over. I mean, we have people that come from 63 counties in North Carolina yeah. just to see what we do. And so I just think it's, oh, it's just like to boost us up, you know. No, we. I mean, the, the, the theater should definitely be boosted up. Yeah. Because if it wasn't, the theater has been here longer than many of the other supportive yeah. business, what we now consider supporting businesses. Yeah. And the theater's been here. And 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 like you said, it is something that catapults mm-hmm. life happening in a community. Absolutely. It's one of the sad things that I think is happening right now across our country mm-hmm. is that I I see a lot of communities that have live theater. And since COVID especially, oh yeah. Theaters, live theater is struggling. Mm-hmm. People, um, people. I think COVID taught people to have a comfort zone of being at home, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. Yes, be comfortable in your home. You know, enjoy your family time and, and whatever your your home life is. Yeah. But something that is suffering is that kind of social interaction, mm-hmm. and especially for businesses that thrive off of social interaction. Absolutely. Uh, Live theater has really been struggling. And Mm -hmm. so I get so many questions when I do things like this and interviews. Mm -hmm. And people are like, why should people come out to see the show? You know, Mm -hmm. thinking that I'm going to say, oh, the show's great and it's fun and Annie is cute. Blah, blah, blah. Well, she is. They're the cute. Annie's are adorable. Yes. And so come see the show. Yeah. But my bigger... My bigger plight, and when I answer that kind of question, especially when it comes to communities like Sanford, I immediately say, you should come out and see and support because you have it. Yeah, absolutely. It is in your backyard. Mm-hmm. And you should understand, because I've been all over this country, what you have, live theater, the accessibility to it, is a privilege. Oh, yeah. You're privileged. You are blessed and highly, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. To have that Mm -hmm. because a lot of communities do not have it. Yeah. Or they do and then it disappears because there's no attendance. Because people are not coming because they're like, oh, you know, I went and saw Annie because my little, you know, niece is in it or what have you. And that's a beautiful thing. But if you're coming to see and support that one person because they're your family member, your neighbor, someone you work with, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. If you're coming to support that one show, you need to be coming to support all the shows yeah. so that that one person you cared about who you see thriving in the arts has something available to them. Yeah. And it's available to you. Yeah. If you don't come out, if all you're doing is sitting at home and watching Hulu and Netflix, mm-hmm. guess what's getting ready to disappear? Yep. Your live theater. Yeah. Don't let that happen. So I always that's such a good perspective. I need. I'm gonna put that on like an Instagram post, and I'm gonna quote you on it because like <laughs> that's so good. It's so yeah. good though. But it's a it's a great perspective for people to have because I think you know I, I, Peggy and I have talked about this so much. We've been fighting this battle of 
language mm. around what we have here. And it's always mm. like, oh, yeah, it's a small town theater. Oh, it's a, a small little, and it's always small and it's tiny and it's like, it's belittling almost. Right. And I've always just been so like, I'm going to change the language. Whatever, if I do nothing else while I'm here, I'm going to change the negative connotation because it needs to be, we are a vibrant community. We've offered contracts to so many different nationalities and diversities, yes. and we have the highest salaries in this region right here because we can, because we have supporters that are willing to pay scholarships for students to come. We have people who sponsor every year, businesses. So we're able to offer that. You're going to go other places they might do Annie, but it's not going to be the same Annie. It's not going to look the same. It's not going to feel the same. There's not the professionalism that's there because the combined experience in the room. I mean, you look at Peggy, who's been on national tours. You've been on national tours. Yeah. Haley's been on, uh, I mean, Miss America. Come on. Yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. Gavin, same Gavin. thing. Built a $30 million arts facility in Pennsylvania. You know what I'm saying? Like, Princess all over the country touring and doing stage management. So I just like, I just want people to know. And I I love what you said about that because yeah. it's just, it's so true. We should do it because we have it. Yeah. And I think it's kind of like the old adage, you never know what you have until it's gone. Until it's gone. Until don't, it's gone. And that's why I try to feel, don't, don't experience that. Yeah, don't experience Don't learn it. that. Yeah. Don't learn that. It would be awful. Yeah. It would be awful because we're, we're coming up on our centennial. And I, like, I've, I think I've been more excited about it than a lot of people because they're like, okay, like it's, yeah, you made it a hundred years. And I'm like, but people aren't. Yeah. And not just people, businesses, arts facilities are not making it a hundred years. Like some of them aren't even making it 10 years because they can't get the revenue and they can't get the rights because rights are expensive and then they can't afford to pay people. So people can't come and do the show, you know? And so like, it's like you said, do it because it's a privilege to have. You know, and I've never really talked to Peggy personally about this, mm -hmm. uh, but, but I do know that, you know, when it comes to, uh, nonprofit theaters, you know, a lot of the, a lot of what makes, you know, the arts world function is, is grants. Oh yeah. You know, it's government. Yeah, assistance. we write tons of And grants. people, and, and I think one of the uh, things that people don't understand is they're like, oh, well, you've got government grants, so you don't need my, you don't need me to come. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, no, no. When you file for grants for government assistance on arts and anything like that for your community, you still have to show numbers. Oh, yeah. And if you can't show a certain number of butts in the seats, mm -hmm. they're going to wonder why they're giving you money. Yep, absolutely. Because what are you doing? Yep. Like, if you're not serving a community and, a serv and that community is coming out to watch it, to be a part of it, to be invested in it, mm -hmm. then why would we give over our money to you? Absolutely. So you're still having, you have to show something. Yeah. You have to show a viable business. Mm -hmm. You have to show some form of profit, what you're doing. And, and again, how basically just how you're getting bodies in the building. Right. How you're getting people in the seats. Yeah. Um, for even that kind of financial to come through. Right. Um, but, you know, it, again, I can't, I can't help but go back to talking about the benefits. You know, when you have live theater and live art accessible to you in your community, uh, it's so imperative that you get to it and mm -hmm. that you show your support and you come out mm -hmm. because, um, yeah, it's it just it's an enrichment to the community around. Absolutely, absolutely, uh, it's an absolute privilege to have. Yeah. So yeah. So let's do a rapid fire. Oop. So favorite. Oh man. Favorite city you've ever lived. Oh. <laughs> you didn't think I was going there. <laughs> well, can I preface this by saying this? I'm yeah. not. I'm. It, 
I'm I'm really hard at being a favorites person. Okay. It's, I'm really, but but I. That's I, fine. But if we're going to do rapid fire, let's we'll do rapid let's fire. go for this. Let's okay. go for this. Okay. So favorite city. Yes. Osaka, Japan. Why? It was I was living in Japan. <laughs> now, what were you doing in Japan? I was working for Universal Studio. I was singing for Universal Studios. No way. Was that the best time ever? I was. Well, I loved time? it. Yeah. I, I mean, it was. I was immersed into a culture and a language and a country that. That I just I, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I just but I went for the adventure and I was like and I loved it. That's I loved amazing. Every, I loved every minute of it. Favorite food? Italian. Ooh, but you're Cherokee. Yeah, no. Ah. But if, okay. if you're That's gonna fine. if you're gonna come to me in like birthday dinner, birthday Italian. Dinner, I'm gonna be like lasagna. Okay, lasagna it. with bread. Oh, with the what is it? Bread? The bread sauce. Gotta have the red sauce. Red sauce. Red sauce. Yeah. Yeah, love that. Okay. Um, favorite musical? Oh, man. I know there's so many. There's so many good ones. <sighs> favorite musical? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to have to go... I'm going to have to go with 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Why? I just love it. I've done, <laughs> I've, I've done it three times. Yeah. It is the quirkiest. It is. It's quirky. It is. You know what I'm saying? Like it's um, And not a lot of people do it, unfortunately. Like yeah. it's not as it's not as well known. Yeah. Especially it's, it's not as well known. Just and because of it's because of the oddity of it. Yeah. You know, it it's you know, it's a spelling bee. And people get confused even when you do it because yeah. they think that they're coming, they're like, so it's an actual spelling bee, and you're like, no, it's a it's a parody of the spelling bee system, and it's just a it's it's just this kind of tool to, that is used to tell these children's stories. Right. Um, but the children are played by adults. Mm-hmm. And the audience is also involved because you interview audience members to become right. a part of that show. Right. Just to be a part of the spelling bee. Right. You know the comedy is a little irreverent. Yeah, it's, I love you know, that. You know, um, it's just I think it's a. I just think it's a beautiful small show that yeah. you know speaks to a lot of people. And if yeah. you can get people's you know butts in the seats to mm-hmm. watch it, they come out and be like, "I'm so happy that I saw this show." Yeah, you know, but it's, it's it is a difficult one to get. I feel like that's how it was for Murder for Two because we did Murder for Two. Oh here. right, and Great oh my show. gosh, having to get audience participation and people were like, "What?" Like the first. Like three minutes, you're sitting there like, what am I watching? What is this? <laughs> and you know, like you kind of see people starting to like scratch their heads yeah. and they're like, what? Did, I thought this was dinner theater. Like, you know, so they didn't really know. And then by the end, they're all like dancing and laughing and it's so much fun. And Gavin killed that role. It was so fun. Okay, favorite play? Ooh. Mm. And it can't be Shakespeare because that's next. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, seriously? <laughs> oh. Absolutely. Okay, favorite play. I did uh, mm, years and years ago, Terrence uh, uh, McNally mm-hmm. uh, had a piece called Love, Valor, Compassion. Mm-hmm. And I had the privilege of being in the show. And it was really, it was, it's a beautiful piece. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, I'll go with that. Okay, yeah. favorite Shakespeare. Gosh, favorite Shakespeare. I mean, I'm going to say Hamlet just because. Yeah. I, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. They're all good. They're I mean, all, yeah. We've hit, I think, in our summer conservatories, we've hit them all at least twice now. But yeah. they're so good. I mean, and they're timeless. I think that's They are timeless. About Can I give you tea, though? Yes. I don't like Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> Why? It's just not The like, language part of it? Or is it more so like you just don't like being in it? Or No, no, no. No, I, it's a job. And if I have yeah, the yeah. privilege to be in it, I'll do You're it. You're like, I'll do it. It's fine. Yeah. But it's not your favorite. It's not my favorite. You know, it, it's, you know, it's... Cover it's, your ears, Patrick. Yeah. 
Oh, I think, I don't think it was Patrick and I that had this discussion. It was, um, I think it was Mark, Mark Davia. Oh, yeah. He and I, he was surprised. Yeah. He was talking to me. He was like, he brought it up. And I was like, I I was like, I actually don't care for it. Like, it's just not something that I'm like, I'm going to go and and watch. Um, Number one, I I just came from a community with Oregon Shakespeare Festival. And my gosh, it's massive, epic theater. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, you know, that is their, it's in the title of their, you know, that is the foundation yeah. of what they do. Absolutely. And so in the seven years that I was in that community, I was watching a lot of Shakespeare mm-hmm. and I was supporting all the artists, you know, but there's only so many times that I'm like, I've, I've watched Romeo and Juliet three times now mm-hmm. in seven years. This is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> this is a lot. Um, well, and there's only so many things you can do to spice it up. Yeah, you know, but and that's and it's and it's not a total insult to Shakespeare. I, oh, mean, no. I can say the same thing about musical theater. It's so, it's funny because people because I do so much musical theater, people assume that I'm a musical theater like buff, buff, yeah. uh, like or like a you know a huge fan of it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm not. <laughs> I don't really keep up with musicals yeah. like music new musicals on Broadway. People are like you don't know it, and I was like I don't. They're like, you haven't listened to the album? I haven't. They're like, why? I was like, uh, it's not available yet. I can't audition for it. Right. Yeah, there you go. It's my job. Yeah. It's not my It's not my outer hobby love. It's not something that I'm like, I, I you know, I don't have, um, I don't listen to, I do not listen to musical theater in my car, in my home, in my, don't do that. Mm-hmm. I don't sing musical theater at karaoke. That's the last thing I sing. Yeah, I don't sing that either. I'm like, people are like, you don't sing any musical theater at karaoke. And I'm like, why would I? That's why my would I? For I that. That's my job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My job. Exactly. I'm, you know, if I'm going to be at karaoke, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to sing pop or country or something. What's your number one karaoke song? Ooh. And give me one reason to stay here. And I'll turn my back around. No way. I, I love... literally, when I get into the office and nobody's here, <laughs> that's what I put on. Yes. I don't sing it, but I just play it. And I used to, when I used to do gigs and stuff like locally, that would be my opener song. And people like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, because you can make that. <laughs> like, I'm sitting there playing a guitar and I'm like, hey, we got this. That, that is a jam. Or, um, my other immediate go-to is some George Michael. Oh, girl, growing up, I, I loved love George him. Michael. I love yeah, him. some faith. Oh yeah. Well, I guess it would be nice. Father figure is my favorite. Oh, that's so I literally anytime that comes on, I'm like, I, I can't help but grin because I'm just like, I love this so much. I know. I love him. <laughs> I love, 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 love Okay, what is your okay? What's your go-to coffee drink? Oh, my go-to is uh, Grande Americana, mm. if we're talking Starbucks. I was going to say, are you a Starbucks? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I hate to be that basic. Yeah. You know, but, but I mean, it's just, you know, I, I know that I, I know what I like, and I can just walk, drive on the base. Yep. Grande Americana. Yep. And it's with, hard to mess that up. Touch cream and, you know, a couple packs of Stevia. Yeah, Stevia. That's okay. my jam, too. Yep. yep. I'm on it. Okay. Um, Else. You said something a second ago that made me think of it. But I do love a diner coffee. And you know what? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The coffees around here in town, I really enjoy. Have you gone to the new coffee shop? The, um, oh gosh, something, Family Grounds. I haven't. Oh, where is it? Okay. So it's like, I'll, I'll show you. But okay. it's like around the corner that way. Like, what is it called again? Family Grounds. Family Grounds. And they have, like, if you go on the inside, it looks really cool because it's an old downtown building that they fully, like, redone. Okay. Um, but, like, they have little, like, booths that have, like, separators up so that you can have your own little, like, space. But then they have an outdoor seating. They also have 
uh, New York bagels that they get shipped overnight. So they do like the New York bagels. They make all their own cream cheese spreads. Mm-hmm. Their oh, nice. coffee is amazing. And it's really, really, really yes. like affordable. <laughs> so they're great. So you'll have to try them. Okay, I will. But, and if you haven't been to Tramway Diner, their coffee I don't know if it's just because they, like, put their finger in it. But it's, like, <laughs> it's so good. Like, and you'll have to get Gavin to take you on Wednesdays because we used to go on Wednesdays for, like, I don't know, probably, like, six weeks in a row because they do this chicken broccoli casserole thing. It's, like, there's Wednesday special? Yes. Is there a Wednesday special? And I'm sure they do something else. But we would always be, like, hey, you want to get turned with daughter? <laughs> and we would get the car. And they give you, like, you get this nice, Beautiful corn muffin, and it's like, oh, yes. it's just corn muffin. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. Okay, so let's talk about Annie a little bit because we haven't gotten on Annie. We talked. We hit. We Annie haven't talked about Annie at all. Really, we talked about Annie at all. <laughs> so, have you ever played Daddy Warbucks before? No. So this is your first time. First time playing Daddy. Actually, do you want to know? Yes. Not only just first time playing Daddy, first time being an Annie, first time experiencing Annie. The live theater production. No way. Never seen Annie on stage in my career. Never seen it. No way. Way. I I've seen I saw I've seen the movies. Yeah, of course. I, there's you know a few iterations of the movie of, of the story in the movies, mm-hmm. but that's it. That's it. Never seen it on stage. I've, I I don't know how that's happened for me, but it just has. I've, I've never I guess I can technically say I've never seen it because I think the last time I was here, I was in it. So I never um, saw it. But another but, little yeah. funny side story is that Annie, when I was uh, 19 years old, mm-hmm. Annie was actually the first show offered to me as a professional paid performer. No, but no. I had to turn it, but I turned it down because I was involved with a community theater production at the time. The wow. company that was a summer stock and they had yeah, lost, yeah. they had lost a dancer mm-hmm. for their summer, a male dancer for the summer. And so when they contacted me, they said, um, they were like, you were, you were referred to us. And so this is our lineup. It's Annie Joseph Fiddler. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was so Good excited. Yeah. I was so excited. Um, but Annie's dates, I was involved with this community theater show in my hometown. Mm-hmm. And we were all, you know, it was like three weeks out before the show opened. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I can't. I can't leave them. That would and they were like and and the producer who I was on the phone with, she was like, totally respectable. She was like, absolutely. Do you want to come and do Joseph and Fiddler? And I was like, oh, that's still an option. Yeah. She was like, yeah, we'll find somebody else for Annie. Come and do Joseph and Fiddler with us. And so yeah. That's so. But yeah, but Annie was officially my first. That's professional crazy. offer, and I. So now yeah. you're taking it back. <laughs> just, just you know, just, just like later. a shy like throwing service point or something. Years later. Absolutely. Okay. So how has it been being in this role? Is this is this a stretch for you at all? Being a rich millionaire or do you have some money at home? You know? <laughs> I mean, personally, yes. It's a, it's a stretch. When you when you're talking about me, he's a bill, he's a he's billionaire. billionaire. Yeah. Um yeah, you know, so that's a stretch because I have absolutely no concept of what that even is. Right. Um for myself personally, financially. But uh but you know the kind of type of role that daddy is, I guess it's not, you know, when it comes to embodying, you know, the, the you know, presentation-wise, mm-hmm. like what you know, the stance, the structure, the demeanor. No, he's not he's not a stretch in that. Um he uh he is he is a, a personal challenge in the sense that 
because I didn't really know the show, you know, you always enter a show and you think you know something, mm-hmm. you know. And then, even though I'd never really experienced Annie before the show, um, I was walking in kind of thinking surface. Mm-hmm. I was like, so rich man, you know, he's like the stuffy arc, you know, stuffy type who then gets softened by the young girl, you know, and um, but really then getting into t- the text and learning the musical version of, mm-hmm. of Warbucks and Oliver Warbucks, I, you know, I learned that there was a lot of kind of sensitive things that mm-hmm. I, you know, I could, I could really delve into and touch on that came from my own personal life. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, Oliver Warbucks in the story, you know, he, the back story to him, you know, he's, he was, a, he was an orphan mm-hmm. by the age of 10. He'd lost both of his parents. Um, and so, uh, he really felt like he had to fight for everything he had because mm-hmm. he felt he was left with nothing. Right. Um, and in a sense, whereas I didn't, I didn't lose my parents at a young age, I did lose my parents, both of them, um, in 2018, just within three months of each other. Oh, wow. And, and that was tough because yeah. I was, at the time, I was 40. 44, 43, 44. Um, and, you know, I, I, it's just one of those things, like, I don't think, I don't think it matters how, it matters how, you know, how old you are when yeah. you lose your parents. Um, you definitely feel like an orphan. Mm-hmm. You, you feel lost. And especially for me, because at the time I didn't have any family of my own. Mm-hmm. I had, I've, and I still have, I've devoted my life to my career and my art and my craft. Mm-hmm. And that comes with a lot of sacrifices for a lot of people. Um, for someone like me who mm-hmm. I really like give myself to the opportunities and I'm, I'm, I'm able to pack a bag at a moment's notice and be somewhere yeah. for a company or for a role mm-hmm. and what have you. Um, it really left me on my own. At losing my parents, mm-hmm. and and I was like, oh my gosh, I've really how much has I have I given up? Is this you know? It makes you start to reflect on your Absolutely. life, and 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 Warbucks has to do that within the storyline. Mm-hmm. Annie meeting Annie, he realizes how much he's sacrificed for success, right. how much he has sacrificed for his status, how much he has sacrificed. Um, and so meeting Annie is kind of like a, you know, it's a sensitive spot for him to, yeah. to now realize what have I really accomplished? What have I, what, what have I gained if I have no one to share it with? Right. You know, so, so being able to like tune into that mm-hmm. with Oliver has been, has been nice and it's been, you know, yeah. finding that kind of arc for him. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know that. Uh, Gavin has been giving me all kinds of trivia yeah. um, because he was talking about the comic strip yeah. and that, the comic strip backstory is very different it's from what they did. It's way different. Yeah, but yeah, he yeah. was talking about in yeah. the comic, like, it was Mrs. Warbucks that didn't like Annie. And so yeah. every time he would go on trips, he would go and, like, drop her off at the orphanage. And then yeah. he'd come back and be like, where's the kid? Yeah. Um, so I thought that was funny. But then, yeah, I've seen the show. And there's so many of those, like, tender, sweet moments. Right. Um, and, of course, so ha- what's it like working with two Annies? Do you have a different relationship with each of them? Uh, or, of course, yeah. yeah. They're, they're dynamically both so different yes. as individuals. Yes. Um, even though they're playing the same role. Yeah. So their take on Annie, even though they are structured to do the same blocking and the same, you know, you can't, the human spirit as an actor and what you bring to a role, it is always going to be individually yours. Absolutely. Even if you, in the minutiae, 
can train and, and work someone and rehearse them the exact same as you rehearse somebody else, it's still going to be your Annie. Right. Um, and, and, and truth, and, and honestly, that is what they, they, they each have their own take on it mm-hmm. down to the little nuances. Yeah, it is. And the energy is different, mm-hmm. the, you know, so it keep, it definitely keeps me on my toes mm-hmm. because when I go out, I know it's like, I can't rely on knowing that this is how it's always going to be. Right. Because I have two versions mm-hmm. to work with. Yeah. Um, but they're both incredibly, they're just, they're both incredible. Yeah. They're spitfires. Yeah. In their own way, mm-hmm. you know. Is you know Isabel? I mean, Isabel is a hugger. Mm-hmm. Matt, I, you know, you she have, is the sweetest. She, you'll you come in meet. every day, and Isabel, you know, she's immediately like there, hugs. How are you today? Whereas Cora, Cora's got that bite. It's yeah. not that she's you know she's such a, a you know she's a lovely person. Mm-hmm. Um, she's very spunky, s- spunky, Love fun. Mm-hmm. But man, she's like I, one of my fun stories that I can already tell about Cora. <laughs> And Isabel, is that there was a day in rehearsal, like coming in to do the show, I told Gavin and Peggy, I said, so happy to come in and to be doing, you know, Warbucks, but I do need to let you know I have, I already have a prior commitment. I need to miss one day of rehearsal. It's a mm-hmm. Saturday. I need to miss one day. Can y'all do without me that one day? And they were like, yeah. So when that part of the rehearsal process came up and I was absent on that Saturday, mm-hmm. They did a whole full day. The cast did a full day of kind of like plugging through the show for the first time. And, um, and I came back in on a Sunday afternoon to then plug in and, and, you know, get through the show with them. Mm-hmm. And when I came in, it was so sweet. People were like, we missed you yesterday. You know, it was really nice. And they were like, no one stood in for you. They just said your lines, you know, but we were just talking to air. There yeah. was no one standing in your place. Oh, wow. And so Isabel and Cora were both there at the top of the rehearsal, and Isabel hugged me. And she was like, it was so weird. Um, it was so weird doing it without you yesterday because there was nothing there. She was, there was nobody there, so it was really weird. I'm so glad you're back. Cora, without missing a beat, I turned to her and looked at her, and she was like, yeah, I did the waltz twice by myself. It was, I was fine. <laughs> I was like, oh. The future president, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> she was. She's fine. like, I was fine. I was fine. I didn't need you. Yeah. <laughs> I know they are both so different, but they're both so good. I had somebody yeah. email me. I think it was yesterday. And they were like, "I'm new to the concept of red and white cast. Like, is one better than the other?" Like, yeah. I was like, "Absolutely not." No. I was like, "the The great thing that I love about our theater is that we focus so much on education, and yes. we want to give as many opportunities as possible." When I was coming up, that we didn't have all these like main stage opportunities. Like mm-hmm. we might get to do like one show every so often, but it was mainly for the adults because that's what people were paying to see. Yeah. Now, if it was a Christmas carol, of course, yeah, there's kids spots in there. But you know, they have so many opportunities now. I mean, from all the summer shows to the main stage shows, like last season, it's all about the teens. This season, it's all about the tweens. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like I love that there's those opportunities for our students to get to learn from professionals and to get to be in these settings. And what's funny is when our kids go somewhere else, people can tell the difference. They're like, where, where have you been going? You know, like where, what have you, who have you been working with? And they can tell a difference because our kids aren't going in there and running book wild. Um, you know, they're trained, they take their notes, they take notes and say, thank you. They don't go, well, I, I, you told me yesterday. They're like, okay, thank you. You know, they're just very, very, respectful, which I appreciate, and they're very well trained. Yeah. So 
But yeah, you know, and it shows, and yeah. it's great. Yeah. And that's you know, and that's the one of the true heartbeats to theater. Mm-hmm. Successful theater is like is get an education, youth education program underneath you. Absolutely. Um, because not only are you not only are you providing something, you know, an activity and something that uh, a cultural facility for your community, mm-hmm. but you're training a future theater appreciative audience. Absolutely. You may be amongst all these youth members. Some of them may not continue on and be like, I want to do this, you know. But but what you have is you've at least introduced yeah. and you've built an appreciation Absolutely. for art and theater. Absolutely. And that's something that will be instilled in them and they can carry on mm-hmm. into their communities. Well, and they'll want to come back. Because I mean, exactly. they say, if you don't see theater by the time you're 11, you never will. And I was like, that was very sobering for me because I, I came right on the cusp. Yeah. My first summer here was I was 11 years old. Yeah. And so I was like, I, I can't imagine. I was kind of like we talked about earlier, like, what if? what if? I can't imagine what my life would be like if I had never done theater or if I'd never, because I mean, I've always been a singer and, you know, but I mean, I didn't know how to tap dance yeah. and I didn't know how to sachet and I didn't know how to do any of the things. And I would not have done that without being here. Yeah. Just so cool. Yeah. So I, I, you know, and I don't, you know, it's it's weird. It's like I I've done. You know, I've I've worked with kids a lot. I mm-hmm. shouldn't say kids. I've worked with um, uh, young artists a lot, and it's just been recently that I've been playing dad roles. Yeah. You know, so that's a kind of a new dynamic to where I'm like, okay, uh, feeling what you know, knowing what that feels like, and mm-hmm. can, you know, not being a father in my personal life myself. I, mm-hmm. You know, so that's taking that on and figuring that out. Um, but working with Cora and Isabel, man, they make it so they make it so easy. Yeah, they make it. They're so, so lovable. You're like, yeah, that's they're stars. Kid. Yeah, and and one of the things that a friend of mine told me when I was cast, and I was like, telling, started telling people I'm going to be playing Daddy Warbucks and Annie. Um, one of my friends, she was like, Annie was my first professional role wow. when I was ten. Mm-hmm. She said, and I just want you to know. She said, when you go in there, she was like, it's not just like you're playing dad. She was like, there's something about Annie because it is a starring role for a young artist. Mm-hmm. It's a big responsibility for a young artist. And she said, the relationship that you build with these actors mm-hmm. playing Annie, she was like, know that it will affect them and will stay with them for a lifetime. Wow. She's like, I'm still in contact with the actor who played Daddy War- my Daddy Warbucks. She was like, I'm still in contact with him. She was like, wow. because there's just, it's a bond that it is, yeah. you as a young performer will never forget. No, it never. It will stay with you. Yeah. So I, every time I work with Cora and Isabel, I just, I kind of light up because I know I'm like, this is huge for them. Mm-hmm. Like this is, this is, it's a huge role. Yeah. Um, so to watch them shine. It's, you know, it's invigorating for me being, mm-hmm. you know, an old gray mare. Uh, <laughs> the old gray mare just ain't what she used to be. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. but it invigorates me to watch yes. them. It gives me a new kind of like energy to be like, yeah. yes. Yeah. To watch them. Well, know. an impact. I think that's the thing that we all want to make. I mean, that's that's why we do that. We're wanting to 
tell a story and that story is going to impact someone. That's always my goal is like, even if it's a funny show, sure. you know, people, I almost got booed off the stage and all shook up because I turned down Dennis as Natalie and like they had fallen in love with this idea of us being together and I broke his little heart and they were ready to boo me off the stage right. because they fell in love with Patrick and he was just so lovable. And like, that's what I hope that we do in, in sharing these stories and the different ones that we get to tell throughout, you know, our lifetime. But it's just the fact that we're going to impact, even if it's just one person. You know, Corey and Izzy don't realize their impact, po- possibly. But, like, there's going to be children that are going to come and see oh, them, and yeah. they're going to go, I can do that. And it's right. opening up a world of opportunity. You know, there I had one lady, she came in with her kids, and she was like, I just really have always wanted to do theater, but I just— you know, I have kids now, and I was like, that's totally fine. We have yeah. something for you. And it was just watching people come alive again. I think that's what we could, it's different than Netflix. It's not, you know, I might binge watch a show and I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this person. But when I watch you, or I watch Peggy, or I watch Gavin, or somebody transform and they tell the story, and I know it's them, right? Sure. Like in my head. But when I'm watching them, you know, it's, it's like the Billie Holiday story. I literally cried because she was so convincing. And I didn't know a lot of Billy Holiday's backstory. Right. But I walked away with this appreciation for like, wow, you know, because I'm a songwriter and I'm like, she used that pain in her life to tell these beautiful, haunting, like stories through song. And then this person who has no affiliation with Billy Holiday right. is able to tell the story so beautifully that it impacted me and moved me to tears. Yeah. You know, your moment with Annie when you finally realized, oh my gosh, I love this kid and I never want her to go away. I'm going to ball like a baby. Because <laughs> it's, so, it's yeah. so beautiful. And I think, you know, Peggy has said this from the beginning, people need a little Annie in their life. Like, oh, it's, yeah. especially after COVID, everything just feels really weighty and really heavy. And you can come here for an hour and a half and you're going to laugh and you're probably going to cry a little bit. Yeah. But, you're going to get to see this beautiful story on stage and it's going to impact you, whether yeah, you're so. a theater lover or not. Yeah. You're going to walk away and you're going to go, oh, that was so good. Yeah. Like, obviously, y'all are so talented, but like, gosh, that was such a good story. And you're just going to be in a better mood. Yeah. Just returning from the West Coast, coming back to the East Coast, you know, because being on the West Coast for years and years, um, you know, my family, uh, they, they they weren't able to travel out to, yeah. to see me and stuff. And so I was the one doing all the traveling home. Mm-hmm. So when I was coming home to see them, it was just me, Uncle Galloway, mm-hmm. you know, just like, hey, guys, and, you know, just chumming around with everyone. But moving back here, uh, like, uh, I, I got to do a show at Flat Rock Playhouse mm-hmm. up in Hendersonville, Flat Rock area, um, for the summer. And it was a production of Cinderella, Roger Hammerstein's Cinderella. Mm-hmm. And so my nephew, I have a nephew who he has, you know, four daughters. Wow. And the the youngest two are actually very, you know, they're they're like, I think like eight, nine, somewhere in the eight, nine, you know, age range. And um and when they came to see Cinderella, you know, I was playing Prince Charming's father. I was mm-hmm. playing the king, you know, it wasn't a very large role, but having them come up to me after the show and they were like, We've been told for years that you're an actor, but this, you know, was their first time seeing Oh, wow. And one of them hugged me, and she was like, you're a star. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, that's beautiful. So now they're coming down to see Anna. Oh my god! And I'm so excited for them to, and I, but I'm I'm more excited for them, like you were saying. Yeah. I'm more excited for them to see Isabel or Cora mm-hmm. than me. Yeah. 
because because they were so excited when seeing Cinderella, they lit. I watching them be lit up about that. I'm like, I can't wait for them to watch mm-hmm. appear someone oh, yeah. their age, absolutely, who's up on the stage, like really carrying a show. Yeah, like. I think they're, it's going to make their minds just It like, is. It's so impactful. Yeah. It's so, they're, they're, so impactful. Their little minds are going to blow. So I, I, I'm excited about that. that they're What's the hardest thing that you think about playing this role, being this production? What's the hardest part for you? Ooh. Um, gosh, that's, that's an interesting question. What's the hardest part? I, I think that, I'm 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 just now getting through it, mm-hmm. but I probably the hardest part about the process was when you're playing someone like Warbucks, who in the beginning of the story is so secluded, mm-hmm. like he is. I'm I'm used to coming into companies and immediately getting to know everyone. Yeah, um, but there's just something about certain roles that you are on the outside. Yeah. Um, and because Oliver, the character, lives so independently, um, it was it was difficult being able to get to know people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just now starting to get around to everyone in, in within the company and being like, tell me about you know having chit chat and you know right. share, sharing like personal things to try to get a connection with them right um so that was probably the most difficult when it came to me personally um with taking on the role i think the difficulty in the role itself for me um you know some of the tough things are again i'm i'm recently lost parents i'm recently divorced mm-hmm. um i've been on my own therapy uh, journey for like two years now because of these things. Um, and I'm learning how, after years and years, I'm just now learning how to accept myself as an individual in the fact of being comfortable being on my own. Mm-hmm. Where And now I'm playing a role. I'm learning a role where he's realizing after a lifetime of being on his own, that he needs to be with someone. Mm-hmm. So kind of that working and balancing my personal self to him and realizing the difference between, you know, codependency and hyper-independency. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's been a little bit of a journey emotionally. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's been a little bit of an emotional journey, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah. But it's, it's plenty of material to... to Right, absolutely. To to pull from, yeah. You know, to to be able to play Oliver, so yeah. So that's yeah. So I I don't know if that's what I would call hard. That's challenge. Definitely that's challenge. Challenge. Yeah, yeah. I think people don't realize the amount of work. I think they just think you get the script and you memorize the words and then you put it on. People don't realize that you know there is so much depth to characters, especially someone like Oliver Warbucks, because he does have this backstory and of loss and like it's hard when. He's coming in and he's just this hard businessman. Let's brass tats. Let's do it. And then, you know, I think people originally think, oh, it's just he meets this little girl and he's like, oh, it's everything. And this is what I've been missing my whole life. But there is that undercurrent of I'm sure he's probably fighting with himself also because, you know, he's built this name for himself and he is this, you know, very successful businessman. And then contemplating 
you know, somewhat giving it up so that he can find something deeper, so that he can have family, so that he can have, you know, because obviously a lot of those things, while they're important, they might not have as much meaning as having a family or, you know, going through that change and realizing his love for the people in his family, you know? So I think it's, I think people underestimate a lot of the time the work that we do, the work that goes into developing these characters and, you know, because you're changing. It's a transformation for you too because you probably won't be the same after you've played Daddy Warbucks. Oh, no. Because it it is sort of like therapy. You're going through and you're working out these things and you're like, wow, I really identify with that or I really feel... I can really understand why he is the way that he is or why he's become hard or why he seems uncaring in the beginning or whatever. You know, you really can, like, you can process it that. And I think it helps us to process our own stuff as well because yes. you're living it out in real life. And then 15 shows later, you've kind of worked it out a little yeah, bit more. And that's what, if you want to be able to make a connection, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to make a connection for an audience watching You've got to be vulnerable enough to make the connection for yourself. Absolutely. You know, it's like you were asking me in the beginning, like, you know, what's the challenge of taking on a role as a billionaire? Do you identify? The billionaire the billionaire part, I don't identify with. Absolutely. Has my career as an entertainer allowed me some lavish moments in my life? Have I been allowed to stay in some really nice hotels mm-hmm. that I would never? I mean, I toured to Singapore. Mm-hmm. When I, you know, I was on tour in Singapore, and you want to talk about a country that is unbelievably rich. Holy cow! So <laughs> much money. Yeah. Um, there's no way I could even, as a person on my own dime, I yeah. could never go to Singapore. No. No way. And but the I was as a performer, I was flown there, I was accommodated there. The 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 hotel that we stayed at. Oh my gosh! I mean, to the nines. This wow. place was lavish. And and I just and I soaked that in as an individual, being like, "This is magical. I will never." But I soaked that in, so I can use little things like that to be like, "This must be what it's like to be a yeah. millionaire, a billionaire. Yeah. This must be what it's kind of like." Right. But it's just a touch. But I can draw from it. I can use it as a resource. Yeah. But it, even like in the show, you know, it's when I'm telling Annie, when Oliver has to tell Annie, and he's confessing to her, he's like, "Look, you know, I lost both of my parents. I both of my parents were dead by the time I was." By the time I was 10, I'm thinking about, in the moment, I am thinking about my own personal parent yeah. and that loss. And if I were to allow myself to go too far with it, then an audience would be seeing me up there bawling. Yeah, absolutely. But the balance is, is in that moment, I can't go there because I need to use that, but I can't totally fall into it. I, this, the balance is, is like using it. Knowing that it's there, knowing that that's a connection between me and my myself and Oliver is that we are without our parents and what is life like after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but then using that, but not going one hundred percent. So it is a lot of it's a lot of work emotionally and mentally, and yeah. to make that connection real so that the audience sees and feels, mm-hmm. you know, so that they're part of the journey as well. Um, so yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, mm-hmm. uh, and it's. Uh, you know, and it's just something that I've always, it's something that I've always craved and yeah. loved about theater mm-hmm. um, okay. and being a part of the craft is is making those connections and figuring them out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Me too. I had to, when we did All Shook Up, I was Natalie. And so th- there was a connection about a dress. I had a dress that was hanging up in the the garage. And somebody had asked me that. They were like, 
what, what, you know, what's that connection? I said, oh, it was my mother's dress. My mother passed away. And uh, they were like, wait, in real life? And I was like, no, in the show. And they were like, oh, Sorry, you're saying, and I was like, no, no, but it was, it was and I said it right. as a matter of fact. They were like, right. I'm so sorry. But for you, in but the, for me, like, I, it was yeah. special to me. And then when I put it on, and my dad says, I didn't even know you owned a dress. I didn't. My mom did. And I borrowed my mom's dress because I was trying to impress this boy. And it was just like a little, it was a little touch, but people were just like, that's so sweet. And I was like, I mean, they have to, it has to be more than just, I'm a tomboy on a stage, all for some, I, I've been in this town for how many years? 18 years. And I've never liked a boy. And now this dumb boy on a motorcycle is going to make me change my whole life. Come on. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So there you has to be, you have to find it. You have to find this arch and you have to find a connection. For me, I've ridden a motorcycle once, but not by myself. I'm scared of that, you know, but like, the whole independence thing. I'm probably on the edge of hyper independence. Mm. I don't like, you know, I like to have things. So I probably need some therapy, but you know, <laughs> um, but I'm on the edge of that, you know. And so for being like her, where she's like, well, I've made my whole life because my, I can't leave my dad, you know, because my dad needs me. I feel like that's kind of a little bit of me. I've stayed here. I've done this because people need me or I need to whatever. But it's it's beautiful because in the end you work it out mm. and sometimes it doesn't end beautifully sometimes it's like it's it's hard driving miss daisy beautiful show it's hard you know yeah. it's it's hard still magnolia's hard, hard beautiful show but i think at the end of that you come away as a totally different person one it's changed your perspective it's opened up your mind you're way more familiar with yourself at the end which can also be uncomfortable because you're like Wow. Oh, absolutely. I didn't know that was still in me. You know, I didn't know I still struggle with that. Um, but I think it's just bringing that self-awareness and also making that connection for someone else who maybe isn't realizing until it's in story form. Wow, I really miss my parents. Or I should call my dad. Or I, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I think stuff like that. And I think that it's such a privilege that we even get to do that. Like, it's so crazy that this is what we're paid to do. You know what I mean? Like, I'm thinking about that all the time. I'm but like, sometimes it's like, but this is what we put ourselves through. Yeah. You know, and I have friends yeah, who they just absolutely. do not get They totally respect what we yeah. do, but they don't They don't get it. And yeah, they'll they say, don't get it. I don't get that. Yeah. They're, I'm like, yeah, I guess it does take, it does take an individual. It takes a mindset yeah. that I think is born into us. Mm -hmm. I think that for many artists, it's something that it's, it is not something that is all taught to you. No, no, no. There has to be something in you that is able to open yourself and make yourself vulnerable mm -hmm. and open to experiencing things that a lot of people do not want to face. No. You know what I'm saying? And it's a level of empathy also. Yeah. Being able oh, to feel what someone yes. else is feeling and being able to not only, like you said, there's a moment you could have gone far because you're like, oh, wow. And you, it, triggers you in a sense yeah. but being able to still properly tell the story and and be able to convey those emotions without letting it totally derail you right. especially as a person because that can i mean if you hadn't have worked through it yeah. you know it's one of those things that that role you could have absolutely turned this down because you're like no it's too close it's too close i can't do it yeah. or whatever or you know getting here and you're like peggy it's too close yeah. um but yeah it takes i think it takes a level of empathy to be able to like you said open yourself up to be able to say that's kind of uncomfortable what yeah. i'm feeling right now that's kind of uncomfortable and then to challenge yourself to work through it to accept it for what it is but still be able to tell it so beautifully like i'm just I'm excited about this show. I, I am too. I'm older now too. So like I think back in that day, I 
I'm adopted. And so, my, well, my, I don't know who my dad is, but, like, my biological mother has never really been, like, a thing. And I had parents that took us in, but I always felt orphaned, if that mm, makes sense. Yeah. And so, like, as a kid, I didn't really identify with that. But as an adult, knowing all of those things, it's a little it's a little closer because I'm like, oh, wow. You know, and when she starts telling that story, she's like, oh, I'm not having clothes anyway. It's fine. And, like, it's a cutesy little song moment. But I'm like, it's so, so sad because it's so the reality. Sad. It's the reality. You know, I've I've fostered children before. And so— they come with the bag, and that's all that there is, you know? Yeah. And so I think it's being able to tell the story and that's way deeper, way sadder, but in a way that people are going to walk away with and go, oh, gosh, that was so good. I'm like, so, I just yeah. needed that. I, I'm so I mean, my glad heart that I, needed that. I'm so glad that I saw that. Yeah. I'm so glad that I Absolutely. That. Yeah. Absolutely. So you've got three weeks to see it. Are you excited about opening? Yeah. Coming it's up. This week. It's this week, September it's this 7th. Week. September 7th. Oh, I can't wait. I like so we've got the Thursday white cast, then we got Friday red cast. Yeah. We got the champagne toast that's gonna happen. We're gonna have dessert and it's gonna be fun. Uh, do you feel a sense of relief after you do the show in front of an audience the first time, or do you feel more so like energized? Like what's your feeling after you officially open? You know, the for me. Opening the show, you know, because I, um, and I think I learned a lot about this by also becoming a director as well through yeah. the years. You just, nobody, none of us know what the show is. The show is not complete and it's in its construction. Yep. The show is not complete until the final character is there and that is the audience. Mm -hmm. So none of us, we will do, we've done all this preparation for the past few weeks. We've learned the music. We've learned the lines. We've learned our blocking. We've learned the choreography. We've put on the costumes and the makeup and the wigs. We've put on the lights, everything. We can be as prepared as we want to be. Mm -hmm. But the excitement about live theater is you don't know what the show is until the final character is there. And that's the audience. Yeah. So... I always look at opening as just a, another rehearsal, mm -hmm. <laughs> honestly, because the audience will tell me, yeah. that audience will tell me, that final character, the, those actors out there will tell me what they like, what they don't like, <laughs> what they don't understand. Like, I'll be able to hear it. I'll be able to I'll be able to sense it. Mm -hmm. And everybody else on stage will too. Yeah. And the director will. Yeah. The director will be you sitting can. there listening as well. Absolutely. And there'll be communication about that. So opening night to me is always like final dress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> final dress rehearsal. Yeah. But it's it's, it's yeah. a constant, it's still ever changing. There's a flow to it, it that so you know, I always get excited. T T I prefer process over performance. Yeah. I, I I love crafting a show. Mm -hmm. I love working artistically a show. I love breaking things apart and putting them back together. I love I love that as an artist. Performance then becomes actually what I consider the job. Because mm -hmm. then you're in the, you're just doing then it. you're in yeah. the routine. Then you're in the nine to five. You know, even though it's not nine to five, but yeah. you know, like, but <laughs> yeah. you're in that mode. Yeah. You, know, you come you're in, you clock in, you do your thing, clock out, and leave. Yeah. Um, but we are lucky in what we do as a career, as a job, that it's not truly nine to five because every performance is different, because every audience is different. So it, it always keeps you on your toes. Mm -hmm. You're always rolling with the punches, kind of, 
you're surprised sometimes you'll get out there and some an audience will erupt with laughter on something that no one has ever ever laughed yeah ever laughed oh my gosh yes you're like oh okay well i got today that was funny yeah (laughs) that was funny today okay um so yeah so uh yes so i'm always excited about getting into the run of the show um so this one will be this one will be good and again because of the two different cast of you know you factors it'll be you know it, it, it it'll be it'll be fun to watch them bud and grow and mm-hmm. watch them figure out the audience as well. Oh yeah. Um you know, and then we have Sandy, we have focus. I was just about to say, are you a Sandy. dog lover? Oh, I am a dog lover. I'm okay. a dog lover, T. You prefer cats? No. What? I, I just I, again hyper independency. I get it. Taking on a pet is a lot. It's like it's it's an it's a child that never grows up. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a child that can never fend for itself if you take on the responsibility of taking it in. So it's difficult for me. Working with animals is also, I'm always kind of like, it, it's just, it's, you know, it's a lot. Or, it is. When, you, when you're sharing space with an animal. Yeah. When you're, you know, but, but Focus is great. He's so great. Focus, He's so smart. And the audience is going to melt. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and I, I mean, and I'm like, I'm going to also be honest. Like, I'm vain. I don't mind admitting it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm old enough now to where I stop fighting at people. I'm like, look, I'm vain. <laughs> I know me. You will catch me if there's. Yeah. I'm looking at that mirror, and yeah. <laughs> you'll catch me looking at mirrors. Yeah. I'm bang, I know, I get it. Um, and so, yeah, so when you're in a show with an animal, no one's looking at you. Yeah, they're looking at the dog. So I'm like, get the hell out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to, I'm sorry, I need, uh, I need, me. I need focus off stage. Yeah. I need the Sandy off stage. He's saving my light. He's saving my light. Move a little more to the left, please. A little more. Yeah. Just a little more. A little more. Oh, that's good. Off stage. That's great. That's Got great. It. Yeah. <laughs> It's so funny though the first time. So we had the Annies come in earlier to do like a photo call because right. I was telling Peggy, I was like, I never have pictures until the week of, and people always want to see what's going on. So like I can share rehearsal photos, but that's a sacred place also. So yeah. I try to be respectful of that as well because um, you know you just never know. Um, and so they came in and the girls were all excited. They're like, "Where's the dog?" And I was like, "He's not here yet. Chill." So when the dog got here. I fangirled louder than they fangirled because I was like, he's perfect. And I had seen like a photo of him, but I was just like. But seeing him, when you see him, him coming on stage. And he, of course, like comes in there and he's just all like, his, he's not really sure. He's like, mm. and she's like, here, give him some cheese. And I'm like, yeah, I love cheese. He loves cheese. And we're the same. <laughs> so like giving him cheese. And so we do the pictures and he's, he's brilliant, of course. She would say like ears and he'd like pop his ears up and he's so well trained. Then we come in the theater and she's like giving him ice and I sit on the floor and I'm just kind of loving him and he just lays. I mean, just comes and lays right on me. I was like, oh, it's so exhausting being a movie star. You had to pose for pictures <laughs> in the outside. Like she kept saying, she's like, he's so hot. It's hot out here. And I was like, yeah. he's a dog, but okay. Yeah. But no, he's a, he's a, he is an actor. He is he a is. paid yeah. actor. He like, he was so great. And no, I mean, not to, you know, not to ruin anything, but he gets final bow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I was like, seriously? Yeah. And he comes out. That's when the standing ovation will happen. And then here comes Sandy. I was like, seriously, he gets final bow. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's so funny. But he's so funny. And see, Bonnie did our dog the last, the first time we did Annie. Yeah. So she she did half on those. So she wasn't expecting. This was more for her. So it was like two girls that she's got to work with. Yeah. Whereas before it was like, hey, I just got to do this for two weeks. And then we're good to go. You yeah. know, fine. So she was like, oh, okay. Challenge. Got it. Got it. Got yeah. it. But yeah, the, everything. Everyone is so great. I'm so looking forward to it. If you're planning on coming, we, did you know? We have yeah. listeners. We have listeners. Who's in it? You're coming. Well, we've got 15 countries, 14 states, like all over. So if you're making plans to get here for Annie, don't miss it. It runs uh, September, I almost said August, (laughs) September September 7th through the 24th. We have student matinees. We've got a sensory-friendly performance. We've got matinees uh, Thursdays and Saturdays at 2 and then Friday and, or no, Thursdays. Saturdays and Sundays at two, and then Friday nights and Saturday nights at seven thirty. Had to think about that, but I'm excited. I think it's gonna be great. I'm yeah, glad so you came on the podcast. I think we've been I'm, no, thanks, yeah. I think this is so, so like, much fun. I've learned so much about you. Like I, I'm so excited. And if if you liked this episode, please make sure that you share it. Tell people about it. Make sure you go online at templeshows.org and order your tickets for Annie. You can also. This is the last month that you can get a season subscription. Get it. So if you want a flex pass or if you want um, a full season subscription, so that you can get it. That's actually the cheapest way to get tickets. Um, and season subscriptions yes. aren't just a great thing for you. It's a great gift. It's a great gift. And it doesn't expire until the end of the season. Right. So you can come. You can change your dates whenever you want. You can see the show. And you get discounts on additional tickets. So if you want to take a girl on a hot date or a guy on a hot date and, you know, come to the theater, you get a discount. So she'll think you splurged or he'll think you splurged. And you really just got a discount. So. And it's a great season. It's a great season. It's a We're great gonna have season. A blast. We got yeah. Baskerville coming up after this. Christmas, Christmas is going to be a Christmas story, and we yeah. got the play version. Right. So people are like, mm, I don't know about that. I was like, it's going to be as close to the movie as you've oh, seen absolutely. with real yeah. people. We've fun. got Till Beth Do Us Part, which is written by the writers of the Golden Girls. So you know it's going to be witty and funny. Uh, musical of musicals, the musical, and then ending with Million Dollar Quartet. Like T. T. I want to be a Million Dollar Quartet. Talk to Jacob. Literally, Jacob's I already cast on. Are you, but I'm putting it. it on your podcast. Do it. Because I want we got the tea, so you might, <laughs> you might have to come back and see Galloway in MVQ. I want to play Sam. I want to play Sam Phillips. Oh. I'm playing producer. Do it. Yeah, that would be fun. I love. I've done it before. And I've, really? Yeah, I love it so much. I want to be Diane, but I don't have time. But thank you so much for being on. Yeah, absolutely. Anything lingering for our podcast listeners? No. Uh, no, not that I know. I've been <laughs> we'll I through everything. We didn't even talk about your directing experience or anything like that, but I think people got a really broad spectrum. Sure. If they want to find you, follow you. Yeah, if you want to follow do? me. I mean, I'm real simple when it comes to following right now. It, you know, if you want to follow me on Instagram, okay. it's uh, at the Gallo way. So it's the at symbol T-H-E-G-A-L-L-O underscore W-A-Y. Love that. The Gallo way. Um and that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah I really only have time for. I don't want to TikTok. I'm old. I don't get it. I need someone it's to train just, me. I'll train you. It's, okay. Once you get it, you get it. Like you're just addicted. <laughs> and the thing is, it's like a it's like a, a mood ring because it changes based on what you like. Okay. So like I'm sometimes old. help me. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> like my TikTok is all conspiracies and it's like. Uh, yeah. Oh, the stuff that you watch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So, like, sometimes, like, the videos that pop up are, like, cooking videos, or sometimes there are people talking about their chickens, or sometimes okay. it's, like, murder, or there's one that I like. It's, uh, 
is Hispanics against spooky shit is like literally the game. <laughs> and he he literally he, I love it. He, he speaks in Bunch Spanish. And so he'll say, uh, pero uh this is the ambassador. Oh, yeah, he'll go, uh, pero this is the ambassador for Hispanics against spooky shit. No, so you gotta get out of the house because obviously the demons are there. You know, but it like it but no, it changes. I don't either. I don't either. Not even close. No. Um but he will literally it, it, it just changes. So like if you okay. when you originally get on, it'll show you like what the most popular videos are. And you can just scroll or if you tap it, it lets it know that you like and then the algorithm kicks in. It's kicks like, out. oh, so let's show more videos like this. And it changes. Like people send me, I I'm really bad at it too. Like I go on when I'm in when I need to not be in my head. Mm. So then I'll just like mindlessly scroll for a little bit until I'm feeling better. But people send me videos and I'm like, you need to text that to me because if you send it on TikTok, I'm not watching it. I have like yeah. 400 videos that people but have sent I need me. someone to train me how to create. Oh, I got you. It. know what I'm saying? Like, Easy. that's the thing. Like Easy. watching stuff, blah. Yeah. It's the, when I get on there and start to try to create things, yeah. I'm like, you gotta watch YouTube. This it's funny. Crazy. You gotta watch YouTube to figure to, out how to, figure do, TikTok. Out how to do TikTok. Yeah, what yeah. is that? Yeah. yeah. We tried it a, a little bit for the theater, and I was like, I. Think it's I'm an investment really, of time. Yeah. It's so much time and editing and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. Well, maybe you'll see Galloway on the TikTok. Ooh. <laughs> Let's hope it's good. <laughs> Oh, or tune in to see the fails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The beginning. Tune I in think this will be fun, honestly. <laughs> if you just put up, you're like, hi, I'm, no. Galloway fails. Me. Sorry. Yeah. Wait. Uh, is it working? Like, I've always wondered, like, I, I love watching people's YouTubes when it's just like the, and it goes back and you're just like, no, what was I? No, God, sorry. Stop. Yeah. I love watching that because I'm like, that's real life. It is. People get on there and I'm like, hello, I'm Galloway Stevens. And today you're going to be watching blah, blah, blah. But all like, the edited version. Yeah. I'm like, uh, so when I go back and edit this, I'll take out all of our ums, all of our, like, Way too loud giggles. I worked with the last company I worked with in Oregon. I uh was with them for seven years. Our general manager, he did all the publicity and everything. He's kind of like, you know, he did all the interview sessions and everything. Mm -hmm. And most of them, though, were on film. Like oh, wow. So you're also sitting there and there's a camera. Like, yeah, trying to piece too, it together. And, and he's doing all the editing and he's really good at it. Yeah. He comes from a film background. So, but I would always leave every interview sesh, session and be like, Rick, you got your make work. me look smart. <laughs> <laughs> Just make sure I sound smart. Yes, make me sound smart. <laughs> and not like a over idiot. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've left I've podcasts before when I'm like, why did I say that? <laughs> What was I talking about? But yeah, so okay, well, we'll go ahead and end here because yep. I know you've got to get ready for rehearsals and to get dressed tonight and taking lots of photos. I'm really excited about that. But thank you for being on. Wonderful. And uh, I'll let you know My when pleasure. it's going to be aired. I think it should be like in a week or so. Okay. It'll come out probably the second week, but that way you'll get to see it and share it with all your. Oh, yeah, I'll definitely, I'll definitely share it. All that, but. All right, well, we'll see you guys later. Hey, remember, leave a review, share this with your peeps, and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode of The Temple Tea. Bye. Bye.